if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. After an absolute bumper week, uh, an amazing comeback win for Leeds United. <laughs> Our long-suffering Leeds fan George is with us. Hello, George. Hello, good evening. An incredible six points out of six for a resurgent Tottenham Hotspur under Antonio Conte. That's me, Alex Gross, the Spurs fan. Hello. Uh, special guest this week, that's uh, Will Swannell. He's also cock-a-hoop after reaching the Europa League quarterfinals. Evening, Will. Evening. And last and this week, pretty much least, United out of Europe. Hello, Nick Gilmer. Good evening. <laughs> You're chomping at the bit again. <laughs> oh, this is like purgatory, this. <laughs> right, so um, it was difficult to choose where to start this week because we've all had so much success, Nick. Please don't start here. <laughs> oh, indeed. We're going to take it to George and the events that uh, brought this about. It's dropped in front of him. Ailing! 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 for Ailing! for Leeds United. Incredible turnaround here at Molyneux. That's right. It's Leeds falling apart again at Molyneux. George, your first reaction to this amazing Friday night comeback? Still gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is a bit better than beating uh, Norwich, wasn't it? That was absolutely mental game of football. I assume you guys as neutrals enjoy it as much as, as, much as anyone. Um, absolutely. I tuned in for the last half hour when I knew that something was afoot. Uh, the complete opposite to me as I nearly switched off before that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, was, it was a bit of a tale of two strikers that game because we were perfectly fine the first 20 minutes um, before Bamford got injured again, his fourth or fifth different separate injury this year. And then we were absolutely woeful, sort of Aston Villa at home a couple of weeks ago, woeful. And... Wolves could have conceivably been three or four nil up at half time. Also, I think there was two other players, so three players injured in the first half. You'd have thrown in the towel if it was, you know, a, a fight um, at half time. There was nothing to gain from playing another 45 minutes of that until Raul Jimenez got sent off, um, which I'm sure we'll debate. Yeah. So um, let's try not to bang on about injuries like every other week. Um, so <laughs> it's the theme of the season. It, there it, was unparalleled there was a lot of talk of, of controversy after the game and I didn't quite catch that I think I tuned in mm. too late so can you explain to us what the controversy was or how Jimenez got sent off so it was it was a second yellow so the debate about it being a red card or not is a bit, a bit pointless it, it was a yellow card offence not a red card offence um, yeah. it was a hopeful punt up field that him and Melier ran for Melier got there first and Jimenez carried on running and flattened him and injured him in the process sorry another injury <laughs> and got a second yellow and I don't know what the argument is. If 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 him has got there first, Melier had fouled him. He'd have got a yellow. I don't I don't see the difference just because it's a striker and not the goalkeeper being the last man. The fact that he got injured as himself, I think people just felt sorry for him that he tried to get on his feet and got sent off. But I don't. I personally don't see the controversy. I'm trying to see that without a lead hat on, but yeah. I really don't. I don't see it personally. He's a bit of a dirty player, Jimenez, I must be said. <laughs> He's a yeah, bit and, of a, a, and a stupid parent. one, as we found out at uh, yeah. Man City Wolves earlier in the season, right? Exactly, yeah. So that really was brainless. Yeah, so, but I don't know why that means Wolves collapse at the back, because they've lost their number nine. Because everyone's saying that's why we managed to get back into the game. But surely if you're 2-0 up and you go down to 10 men, you just 
you just shore up, right? You just yeah. stay tight. Wolves traditionally take the lead and win games, usually 1-0. They concede very few goals, some of the fewest in the division, I believe. So why they can try to concede three goals to us in the space of time? So I, I have to flag up. <laughs> Gilmer's just asked in the chat whether I can call Jimenez brainless after his head injury. Classic comment from Nick, but I promise you, listener, I did not mean that. That was an unintentional pun. You're going to get us cancelled. It will certainly be the episode title. (laughs) Okay, so the two goals came uh, quickly. And was this just the old English virtues of character and fight and not giving up? Or what what do you think of Jesse Marsh's football in, was it his third game now? Yeah, He's definitely made us more sensible and tighter. We don't, we're not marking man to man and leaving loads of gaps anymore. And yeah. nothing really changed after Jimenez got sent off. We just started to create a couple of chances, which I don't understand why, like I said, losing a striker changes the way we play. He didn't, sorry to talk about injuries, but he didn't have the luxury of making a change off the back of them getting a man sent off because four players have already gone off injured comically one of them being injured by one of our other players that's how <laughs> unlucky yeah. we've got so one of those was a concussion so, substitute yeah yes sorry yeah that's why we're allowed to make four mm-hmm. uh, yeah it was just a, a, a mentality shift off the back of the red card and we could have gone and scored three four five goals after that it just seemed to completely change the game rightly or wrongly if you don't believe it's yellow card or not yeah it changed the game no we uh, not in it whatsoever before that are you ready to talk us through that winning goal that we just heard? <laughs> it's so it's the why, why don't you set the scene by by telling us what you were doing? <laughs> I wasn't sitting down, I can tell you that. <laughs> we had a flurry of chances beforehand. I think Daniel Pedence had just meaninglessly kicked someone who had their back to goal. Uh, so we had a free kick out on the byline. Harrison put in a woeful, horrible, terrible cross that Ailing somehow kept in. Um, and it's just pinball around uh, Willie Bowley was especially bad the back for them I think it was only his second start of the season I can see why he's a terrible yeah. footballer and Ailing just that just walloped it um yeah. wherever it was going to go and uh I'm not sure if anyone saw his attempted Robbie Keane celebration but it was yeah 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 pretty, that needs work yeah pretty bad <laughs> doesn't score many does he no. But then the, um, the wonderful thing about that was that the, the away end at Molyneux is not an end. It's a mm. side, isn't it? It's that whole lower tier alongside Yeah, the we had the whole line. Oh, one, yeah, there was... Uh, is that just seemed... for Leeds that they need to give that much? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've not I, I noticed spoke... that before, I have to say. I spoke to a couple of people who went and said it's probably the best away seat they've ever had because yeah. you get like a decent home kind of view. But there's still time. There's, there's eight minutes of injury time in both halves because Wolves themselves had two injuries, um, which probably helped as uh, Neves went off in the first half, which is obviously a big loss for them. And still time for two chances. Our substitute keeper who's never played a game for us before pulled off a couple of great saves. Yeah, um, I was wondering who that was. What's his name? Yeah, Carlson? Chris, uh, Klassen, yeah, from Klassen. Norway. Yeah. So yeah, we've gone from, we could have very conceivably sat here with one point from those two games and we've somehow got six, but I'll Fantastic. Uh, certainly take it. Yeah, and that puts you four points clear of Everton, whom <laughs> I promise you we'll be talking about later because <laughs> uh, that sorry show continues. One point behind Brentford now. Uh, Newcastle, of course, lost uh, in midweek to Everton indeed. So uh, two points behind them again. I mean, the problem isn't exactly solved, but that's changed no. a lot, those six points, hasn't it? And you've got Southampton at home next and Watford away. So these two more yes. two more crunch games that we were talking about previously. 
Exactly. And we have got Burnley Everton on the horizon as well, which um, mm. which is a big one, obviously, for that. I think that game will kind of sell us if Everton... Oh, yes, the uh, the game in hand between Burnley and Everton, you mean? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that'll be... Um, and Burnley got Man City before that, so, you know, it could all be sorted out a week or so after the international break. But, uh, yeah, yeah, a bit of daylight and a bit of, um, bit of relief for sure. Do you think that was the moment, as Sky liked to put it, uh, for your season? Or do you think that's <laughs> well, a bit I'd... fanciful? I had a bit of a laugh at, at Sky's expense on, on Friday because Gary Neville was absolutely ripping into us at halftime. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how neutral he tries to be, he's still a Man United fan, so probably thoroughly enjoys it. And then yeah. had to actually interview Marsh afterwards <laughs> with a totally different tone. Um, they, they all said they saw absolutely no way back for you, didn't they? They did, yeah. Carragher called us a shambles. Um, <laughs> Gary Neville said, I'm not going to let the Norwich win pull the wool over my eyes. I think they're doomed or something along those lines. Yeah. And I don't think so. Although, weirdly, the points we've got now, we would actually survive last season. That's how bad the three bottom teams were last year. Right. Um, but no, not yet. I Just think 29? That, yeah, that would have been enough to survive last year. Wow. <laughs> that's how bad they were. But yeah, that Watford away game, that's probably the one, isn't it? If we can win yeah. that, then that's probably us safe. Seven points clear of them at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us on to the uh, other big game of the weekend. Will, our friend of the show and uh, West Ham fan, isn't exactly here to talk about Spurs-West Ham in the league. Uh, Will, oh, you're going to make oh, yeah, him. I'm not. <laughs> you're going to make him. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. That's definitely why I'm here. Yeah, you're here to talk about Thursday night and uh, we appreciate that. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was there yesterday at uh, the lane, as I like to still call it, um, and it was... Uh, Fantastic! I think five nil would have uh, would not have flattered us. I think uh, West Ham best described as flat pop, hung over their fans as well as their team. But as I said, I'd say I'd say that's a fairly fairly one sided write up of the uh, the game. Later on, I'd say when, when the third goal came, we were pushing for an equaliser. Okay, I've got more to say on that, but uh, <laughs> but yes, I'm sure you um... do. And, and I wasn't there to be fair. I was uh, yeah, like the the rest of the the West Ham sport, uh, slightly hung over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I thought we played uh, very well. And in fact, uh, what you just mentioned does ring a bell because I had some fans around me, the, the type who uh, will complain whatever's going on. You could be 4-0 up against Arsenal and they still be complaining. And uh, they were saying that we were hanging on at 2-1. And I just didn't read it that way. I just thought it was Conte's plan to sit in like that. And Spurs fans aren't used to that yet. And um, I don't particularly like it either, but I'm just assessing it uh, as best I can and I thought it was the plan to play like that and to wait patiently and to pick off uh, another goal or two and like I said the, the the reason that I said 5-0 wouldn't have flattered us was because we had two chances uh, Son hitting the post and Kane lifting it over Fabianski's head but also over the bar which could easily have been uh, which should have been goals let's say uh, and yeah. your goal should never have been scored because it should never have been a corner when it went off Doherty's off one of Doherty's legs and then the other for a corner under no pressure. Uh, uh, details, details. I think it was a, a deserved three points. Uh, but I was, I was glad that we, glad that we stayed in there. You, you were, you were far better in the the first quarter of the game. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought we, I thought we really came back into it. And if, you know, it, it's obviously not a not a fun day to to go down to to the lane and uh, and lose and have inflatable caps thrown at your players. Yeah. But overall. <laughs> It's a, it's a good week. And a couple of seasons ago, we would have been 3-0 down. There were a lot of uh, inflatable cats, yeah. And yeah. Um, I must say that uh, 
Moyes actually said that himself, didn't he? He actually admitted that that's the last game he would have wanted after Thursday with Spurs away. There was some concession there of the reality. And we've been there, of course. Um, we know better than most teams how hard it is to juggle these competitions and to juggle Thursday, Sunday. And uh, we've had a lot of flat Sundays. So I could tell you that that's pretty normal. You've got to get used to it if you want to have this enormous success that you're having, Will. Yeah, well ne- next season it'll be uh, it'll be Wednesday, Saturday. Something to look forward to. Well, I don't think so. I think that uh, <laughs> West Ham are now in our rearview mirror. We have one game in hand on them. They're three points behind. I think this was a huge win in that respect. I don't think we'll be seeing West Ham again, but I do say that with some element of caution, because I wouldn't want to be a hypocrite and I wouldn't want to be as arrogant about it as the Gunas are and as the Guna fawning media are at the moment, saying that Arsenal are in the box seat and definitely favourites to get fourth, which is absolute nonsense, I think. I think Will was actually inferring he's about yeah. to win the Europa League. Yeah, I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think there's uh, I think there's five five seats to be taken up. Well, resurgent... I've got, got my eyes on two of them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you saw Barcelona's performance against Real Madrid yesterday, but uh, I'd suggest they're still favourites for that one. But OK, you've got to get past Leon first. Anyway, all, all still to be discussed. On Arsenal, lads, how many points did they get from two games this week? They got three. Three. Yeah. Pants pulled down by Liverpool. <laughs> As and expected. A, yeah. really just. And an apparently impressive win at Gerrard. I'm uh, furious about it. Well, can I just point out that apart from that win against Southampton, which was essentially just Coutinho on his own, they hadn't had a home win since, uh, gosh, I think it's the beginning of December. Villa, so it's not exactly a massive feat. I'd say they couldn't even beat us. So, and yeah. we're we're going there in a couple of weeks, so I hope we can emulate that. But yes, um, we got six points. So everyone's saying uh, Arsenal are in the box seat; they're going to do it. Arsenal are the ones to beat, but actually the gap is now only three points between us. They have played one game fewer, of course, but they've got six away games still to go and four home. Uh, we, whereas we have more home games, and one of them is the yet to be rearranged North London derby. And there is a growing sense of anxiety across North London, both sides of the divide, as to when this game will be scheduled. Because for a while now, remember this game was supposed to be in mid-January, for a while now the suspicion has been that Sky and the so-called powers that be are going to move it to one of the very last midweeks of the season for extra drama and to make it a sort of fourth place playoff in the hope that both teams were still in a shout. And that's looking more likely now. Uh, Obviously, Manchester United and West Ham still have a say. But yeah, we're worried that that's going to happen. And it seems that now the rearranged games for April have all been sorted. And it does look highly likely that... uh, Tottenham Arsenal will be at some point in May with one or two rounds to go of the league. So I think that's better for us. And I think it will come back to bite them that they got that derby postponed in mid-January because of their, what did they say? They were stretched because of illness and COVID and no, illness and AFCON, whatever. It was less than less than 24 hours notice, wasn't it? And, and yeah. we ex- we yeah. expressed our great surprise, quote unquote. No, but yeah, I think they would cheap. have had us back then because we were him. awful. Remember well, that was the time when we lost three times to Chelsea in the space of 10 days. So we were awful. No European football. He's complaining about yeah. scheduling and they've cancelled their own match at 24 hours notice. I think he's got bloody cheek. Thank you, Nick. Yes. Well, you still got um, you still got to go there, of course. So yeah, and uh, I, mean, I, hope, I hope that's a draw with four red cards. <laughs> I, it would be very typical to beat Arsenal and then still somehow finish below them. 
Okay, so I was very, very pleased overall, and I look forward to uh, resuming after the break with Newcastle at home, which has obviously uh, got that added spice to it these days. And uh, to play us out at the end of this part, I'll just have some final thought from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as they call it. Okay, welcome back to part two. Now, uh, Manchester United didn't have a game this weekend because their meeting with Liverpool was postponed due to Liverpool's FA Cup commitments. Uh, so, Nick, there's only one thing to talk about, and that's your exit from Europe last week. I did watch this game at home to Atletico Madrid. I thought it was a good game. I thought Atletico Madrid played well. Soon after the game, you disabused me of that notion, rather like Owen Hargreaves, who piped up to say they were bang average. But uh, I thought that was all a bit of bitterness from United, really. And I thought Skulls had it right when he said um, they really came to do a job and taught a bit of a lesson as to how to put an away performance in Europe together. What's your view now a week on? Sometimes I do feel like I watch a different game to a lot of people. I thought um, United in the first half in particular, were as good as they've been under Ralph Rangnick. I thought they played particularly well and controlled a game against a proper team for the first time that I can remember this season, actually. Uh, where every time a decent team's turned up, we've just rolled over and had our tummies tickled by City and Liverpool. And Chelsea was always a damage limitation as well. I think I was quite impressed that we played with a bit of a fluency. There seemed to be a plan and Ronaldo was drifting out wide to exploit their fullbacks, pushing Bruno forward. And, and I think Scott McTominay had a really excellent game, but special praise for Fred, actually, who was outstanding yeah. um, and and played like a world-class central midfielder for one of the few times that he's he's managed in the United shirt. So I went in at halftime feeling pretty optimistic that you keep playing like that at home and, and you'll eventually score. But that is the problem we have at the moment and United aren't scoring enough goals despite having this world-class centre forward. Being able to throw on Cavani as well and still not really making anything for him. I mean, the game was over as soon as Madrid scored. As soon as they yeah. got the goal, there was no football being played. And it was it was incredibly frustrating. And you know what you're going to get. That's yeah. the, team the disruptive they are. tactics, you mean. Yeah. yeah. And like, if that's my team, I'm loving it. And it's not. <laughs> and so it's horrific. And yeah. to be honest, I was in a pub and I should have left. <laughs> at the moment the goal went in because I don't think there was anything of note happened anything of note happened afterwards um, and that was exa- and that's the job they did but they didn't for 60 minutes they didn't put really lay a glove on United I have to say I thought United played well but the same thing that you could accuse this United team of for five years they were naive lacked a cutting edge played as a group of individuals um, and, and this is about their level like, I think going out to what is the third best team in Spain? Yeah, that's about right. I think United you, are probably the fifth best team in England. So you just said I, you liked it when uh, you like that sort of dark arts when it's your team, but yeah. not when it's against you. What about uh, now the draw's been made and they've got Man City? Do you think they can do a job like that on them? No, no, they're not very good. 
They, they didn't play very good football and City will score two or three against them. Defensively, they're not that great. I think if they can't get their noses ahead, they will get they will get taken apart. I think City will have that one after the first leg. You say defensively they're not that great, but that's obviously in relative terms, isn't it? Because uh, Simeone's Atletico are as good yes, as it, sorry. you know, in, in past years, as good as it gets, those banks of players, super disciplined. I saw an article and I can't can't uh, quote who it was, but they were saying that after a 1-0 win in Manchester, I think they won 1-0 at the weekend again, that they had their defensive sort of system back. But yeah. I, I thought that a better team than United would have scored a couple of goals. And, and I expect City, objectively, are a better team than United. So we'll score a couple of goals <laughs> against uh, Atletico Madrid. An important admission. <laughs> yeah. I um so no, I, I don't I don't see them presenting City an awful lot of problems actually, unless by some stroke of luck they manage to score first. And then it's not football anymore, it's Atletico Madrid football. Of course, and the and that first leg is at City, isn't it? So that's yeah. uh, I, I think it'll be done. By the time City rock up in Spain, I think it'll be done. But then I think I've said in previous pods, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Bayern are far and away the best teams in in Europe at the moment. Yeah, and I fancy Chelsea maybe to suffer at the hands of Real Madrid, but uh, Chelsea's unstoppable current form, plus that amazing El Clasico result yesterday, Real Madrid losing 4-0 to Barca, does make me think again. Um, Yeah, and it's not a great Barca. Whatever people are saying, Barca are not back yet. And actually to have lost 4-0 at home, I mean, there's a high Shocking, chance yeah. Ancelotti Shocking. could end up lo- winning the league and losing his job because of that yeah. result. In fact, Xavi was quoted as saying uh, he was smiling from ear to ear because he didn't expect them to be that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and they will still have their pants pulled down a few times this season as they're in transition. But it was a very impressive result against a mediocre Real Madrid team. So obviously... Uh... We would back uh, Liverpool to beat Benfica and Bayern to beat Villarreal. And for that to be an exciting uh, Liverpool-Bayern semi-final over two legs. Obviously, Liverpool won the last time they faced each other, but Bayern much better now. I wouldn't Um, want to call that, actually. I think those two are very evenly matched. And I think it will probably be detrimental to Liverpool that they're also in a toe-to-toe for the league in England. Yeah, and the cup now. Yeah, and, and, and it's the first time, actually, in Klopp's time here that he's done anything in the domestic cups. Yeah. He could end up with a double. Obviously, uh, Forrest had a few good chances at 0-0 last night, didn't they? That uh, that wasn't easy for Liverpool. But yeah, they are through to a semi with City. And so we think the other uh, semi-final of the Champions League, probably City-Chelsea, all English last year. Yeah, final, which again... A two-legged semi. I wouldn't want to stick my neck out on that one. I think both of those semis are mouth-watering for the neutral. Yeah. So let's uh, turn our attention to Thursday football, the Europa League. We just completed the last 16 there. And sensationally, West Ham are through, having beaten the Europa League's own team, Sevilla. I dusted off my uh, West Ham genk scarf of a few months ago and uh, went up to the London Stadium to keep Wilson company for what was, um, well, we said it was the biggest game for a generation for West Ham, would we say, since the final, the cup final 2006, Will? I think we'd say, yeah, biggest game since 2006. There have been games along the way where, you know, which are more, more significant, you know, playoff games, but, but certainly the biggest game. Cup uh, finals at Spurs. Yeah, he's on the pitch for against United. <laughs> yes, that and uh, and all that. 
Um, but it, you could tell that the fans, the fans really, really felt it was was the biggest game in a generation. And you know, like around the stadium, it, it felt like a, somewhere in a happy place between a riot and a festival. <laughs> West Ham and Massive was was just you know, ringing around the streets, which which actually sort of slightly underlined the fact that we, we are not yet massive, given yeah. that it was only the last, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the last 16 of the Europa League. Because you keep having <laughs> to tell so, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and so absolutely nothing to celebrate. Is the next game now bigger than the 2006 FA Cup final? Or is it on a similar level against well, Lyon you've been drawn? I'd say it's, it's similar to the one that we've that we've just uh, just had. Yeah. Um, I think if we get through to the Barcelona in the semis, then that, that's starting to become biggest in in multiple generations especially when you you look at our sort of i say our success in europe <laughs> our, our, our lack of success in in europe i mean there's you know, I, i'm i'm beginning as the years go by to consider myself a, a middle-aged man and in in my lifetime uh, this, this is the first time we've we've got past uh, the summer uh, in europe yes we normally, we normally yeah. like to go out and uh defeats to july. romanian minnows in july yeah yeah, out by the August holiday. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think there was there was one time that we we stayed in till September, but that's only because the first round wasn't until September. <laughs> that was Alan Pardew leading us um, out with a couple of new uh, uh, Argentine signings. Oh yeah, uh, uh, into the first round where we uh, sort of spectacularly um, bombed against. Yeah, Palermo. you played um, Palermo. We Did played you? Palermo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with uh, with Marlon Harewood up front and um, Tevez <laughs> pushed out to the to the left to accommodate him. So before before we go down this uh, route of <laughs> ancient history, how do you look back on Thursday night now? It was, I mean, it was one of those atmospheres that that I'll like I will genuinely always remember. There's probably only one other atmosphere in a in a lifetime of going to football that that comes close. Uh, a sort of a, a playoff final I remember as a child. Uh, you know, one of those genuinely electric, you know, few, few hours of football. There's quite a feat in that stadium, isn't it? Uh, it, it is. It's uh, it's it's quite difficult to get 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 the heat out. But I can but I was... can attest as a witness that it was genuinely packed to the rafters, wasn't it? The only place you could see a spare seat was in the Sevilla away end. Yeah, there was absolutely absolutely no room, and like everybody was completely buzzing when the when the winner went in. I mean, you know. Grown men were grown men were crying. People were dancing. <laughs> everyone was hugging. Uh, it was just such, such a yeah an ex- explosion of emotion. Which again, if you're a massive club, shouldn't really happen in the last 16 of the Europa League. Yeah. Uh, but for us, uh, it was uh, yeah, it, it was huge. And and also against a like a really a really good good team. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Second in the table in Spain. Uh, so much success in the Europa League. We felt they were a bit toothless on the night. As we said, we felt their plan was probably to tire you out. Yeah, and it, it just just didn't work. I, th- I think you know the the fans gave the players those extra legs. Yeah, and I think because this run is so special to us, that that's gonna gonna be a big um, big thing in our favour come the come the next round and, and hopefully the semis and final as well. Yeah. So after this international break, you've got a, a game against Everton that is probably it's fair to say that's bigger for Frank Lampard <laughs> than for you, but the <laughs> for the crowd beating Frank Lampard is big. For the crowd, beating Frank Lampard is, uh, is is absolutely everything. Yeah, um, but obviously one eye will be on Thursday at home to Leon, won't it? And then Brentford away is uh, the sandwich filler between the two Leon legs. Yeah, um, you'd think that at this stage, having got this far, you'd now turn your attentions, your focus more to the Europa League, wouldn't you? 
think that's how the season's going to go. Yeah. It's it's really difficult to keep it up um, two games a week, uh, and I I just think the like, as much as the players, the the fans' excitement uh, is just going to be so much more in Europe. Yeah, that's what people are going to remember when they look back at the season. And I think with that campaign running alongside the rest of the league fixtures, it's going to be difficult for us to get get fourth or even even fifth. Yeah, I was just saying if you do make a semi final, the the game in between the game before those two legs is uh, Chelsea before the first leg and Arsenal before the second leg. So you do feel that choices will have to be made, don't you? Leon are tenth in the French league, so you got to be you got to be right. favourite, surely. Even with I was reading to say Bowen's out injured, isn't he? That's a shame. Mm. He's a terrific player this season, but yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, shame with the England squad as well. Yeah, I'd definitely back you to to progress. Hopefully, favourites against Leon will. Yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, uh, yeah, heady, heady days. But I, th- I think we're we're third favourites for the uh, for, for the tournament now. Oh, really? After Which Barca and Barca, I can't remember who else. Uh, but I, I do remember that we were we were third. Perhaps Leipzig, uh, maybe Leipzig. Yeah, I think, I think Leipzig. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, certainly not Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> At least you've avoided Rangers, which, uh, as we discussed, would have been carnage, wouldn't it? In every sense. Well, we we can save that for the final. <laughs> Yeah, Rangers versus West Ham with Spanish police in Seville. Yeah, I don't think anybody will want that. There's only so much you can keep trying to butter someone up to give them confidence. There's a balance of confidence stroke. We're playing at the cutthroat end of football here. This is a quarterfinal today to get to Wembley. And if you haven't got the confidence to play, then I'll, you can quickly flip it and say, have you got the... Um, the... B- to play... Sorry, excuse me, but I can't. You know, that's that's the football reality. Um, and if you fall somewhere in the middle, then don't worry about it because we didn't play that badly today, and Palace didn't play that well today, and we lost four 0 because of a lack of confidence and a lack of what I just said. So, um, <clears throat> wasn't tactics? Tactics showed in the first 20 minutes. Palace couldn't get out of half. Um, so when you do things right within that within that structure, you'll be all right. If you can't be clinical in front of goal, you won't score goals. You won't feel like you're going to score goals. If you allow people to stroll into to your box and finish with ease, they'll finish with ease. So, um, real basics. The dulcet tones of Everton manager Frank Lampard there after Everton lost 4-0 at Sellers Park in the FA Cup sixth round or quarter-final, as they insist on calling it these days. Palace go through to an exciting uh, FA Cup semi-final with them, a trip to Wembley with Chelsea. But Lampard, well, his reputation or what was left of it at Everton was sort of resting on his uh, FA Cup success, in inverted commas. We were talking last week about how that was a win against Boreham Wood, but uh, <laughs> there's no more recourse to that after oh, capitulation think, at Celeste. What do we think? I think Palace has done him a favour, actually, because the last thing he needed was a distraction from their relegation fight. I genuinely can't uh, And of course, it would have been against his old team at Wembley, Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, and, and they would have had their pants pulled down at some point. So yeah. you may as well have had it done by Palace in the quarters. <laughs> I um, I've genuinely, in my lifetime, can't think of a better team or squad to still be in a relegation fight at this time of year. Yeah, I think you might be right, yeah. Uh, Richarlison, um, well, I mean... I'm not going to go through them all, but there's so many good players, aren't they? Uh, yeah, full in, in theory. He's such uh, a brilliant manager with a great track record. I can't understand. Oh, it. George, stop! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's no. It's but the, the funniest thing about that clip is that he said it's nothing to do with tactics, isn't it? Because he he said, oh, "God, 
first 20 minutes, they couldn't get out of their half. So that shows that the tactics were spot on. So he's forgotten there's another 70 minutes for tactics, right? <laughs> there's an indication there that he doesn't think he needs to do anything about tactics after 20 minutes. And the fact that Palace weren't that good in inverted yeah. commas, but the one for now, imagine if they were good, what would the scoreline have been? <laughs> he's just, and I think he's slowly losing the plot. If you let people come through you and finish at ease, they'll finish with ease. Something like that. Yeah. And he was supposed to be an intelligent one of the, an example of an intelligent footballer because he had an O level, wasn't he? He's got 10, uh, 10 GCSEs. Somehow, <laughs> um, uh, I know yeah, from uh, yeah, it's the West oh, He went to the same uh, same school as Ed Woodward. Oh well, <laughs> well there, there you go. go. Oh, what there great company! <laughs> Both Did... having a massive impact on football. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the more the more he unravels, the more, the more I, I sort of I kind of. I just get a, like a slight whiff of his uncle through his post-match interviews. <laughs> I think he's sort beginning of, like, oh, to look a lot like his father. Yeah, uh, being a manager will uh, will age you, and it's uh, it's beautiful to see. So, what do we think about Everton in this mess? I mean, I just want to pipe up for that poor Portuguese coach who Everton's xenophobic fans uh, made sure didn't get the job, so that their Frankie got it, even though Frank Lampard has absolutely nothing to do with them as a fan base. I think that it's only dawned on them in the last 10 days that they're actually in a relegation fight. Yeah, I, and I just... don't think they even thought they were in a relegation fight when Frank came in. I think they were looking forward to next season and a yeah. sort of a comfortable finish somewhere in the mediocrity and then transfers brought in by a big stellar name and they are in real danger. And obviously Will and I were at uh, West Ham on Thursday, but that same night they got that win against Newcastle and I think that sort of was a moment of great relief and they thought they turned a corner um but then they've, this... they've, they've, they've had that three times this season do you remember when they beat exactly. arsenal they beat yes. arsenal and then they lost like seven games in a row yeah <laughs> they beat us and then beat lost you four of games course in a row. yeah yeah that, so, that was a gimme yeah obviously um so yeah i think that newcastle won surely injury time winning goal against a, a team near the bottom as well and and to follow it up with that and it has to be said that was their full strength team against Crystal Palace yeah yeah you need to focus on the league or anything like that so well exactly yeah. because Lampard was relying on the cup for his <laughs> reputation but uh, as, as we've already mentioned their, their next game is West Ham away after the break so West Ham won't be tired as they were yesterday then they go away to Burnley as you said George crucial yeah. game and then they've got Manchester United I, I know we said that Everton always gets something at Goodison against United but uh, it's not exactly easy, is it? And uh, then Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, then it gets really, really tough. So if he doesn't find some points against uh, West Ham and Burnley, and then uh, would you say maybe after the Merseyside derby, United at Goodison is their biggest game of the season, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, from a fan's perspective, it's the one they all I look forward so. to, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably fair. They've got the Merseyside derby and a title chasing Anfield away still to come. They won't, they won't get anything there. So... Yeah, they're in they're in serious serious trouble. I think they will stay up by default because I think there are three worse teams than them. Yeah, but it's going to be close, and it's not by much. This has happened before, hasn't it? In the was it mid nineties, they survived on the last day. Yeah, it was really David Unsworth. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they've got they've come close to trapdoor before. Uh, we'll see if they go down. The repercussions for them. Yeah, haven't they just recorded the biggest loss of any football yeah. team the and, whole time? And they've agreed the stadium on the Liverpool docks, yeah. haven't they? And they're full of like proper players. They would just be picked to pieces by yeah. everyone around Europe. We know you've got you covered their midfield, Nick. 
I would take every one of them midfielders over our lot. <laughs> I'd take Richarlison. Hey, so can you just say Fred was world class? On the bench. What's that? <laughs> you said Fred was world class before. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah once, <laughs> once a month. You'd take Donny back, wouldn't you? Donny can't get into their team, which is an absolute lol. That was a great signing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well done. Because he thought he was too good for Palace. Wasn't that right? And I, might be, Alley. I might be needless, needlessly slandering him here, but I'm pretty sure he could have gone to Palace and ended up going to Everton because he thought they were a better team. And Deli Alley is hardly the character you want in the relegation scrap, is it? I, I read that Deli Alley deal could cost them £40 million pounds mm. all in once it's all done and dusted, which is just madness. Another £35 million pound profit for Levy, yeah. <laughs> How likely are they to be dot points for this like financial irregularity stuff that's going on? I don't know. It took Derby like five years to be found guilty of theirs. Mm. So I don't think so, but you know, they might get relegated without it. We'll see. <laughs> get a guest lawyer on next week, please, to avoid me slandering anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably need one in the background anyway, don't we? So elsewhere, I've mentioned it a few times, really surprising result in the second league Classico of the season. Xavi's uh, Barcelona went to Madrid and won 4-0 at league leaders Real Madrid. They're 12 points behind with one extra game to play. So I think the title is realistic, even if the Spanish media are keen to uh, make some noises there. But Xavi said he was smiling from ear to ear. He didn't expect his Barcelona side to play so well. They're really resurgent. They're in third place now. They will probably be in next year's Champions League. They're favourites for this year's Europa League. Really interesting what's going on with them. Albama Yang, two goals and an assist. Quite funny to see um, after his supposed attitude problems at Arsenal that he's absolutely loving it there. And then over in Italy, it was the Rome derby in a uh, packed full Stadio Olimpico and Mourinho's Roma won 3-0. In terms of league positions, this was probably the equivalent game of uh, to Spurs-West Ham, uh, but in Italy. And um, Tammy Abraham, two fantastic goals, bringing him up to 15 league goals. And I think one of the most amazing things, having seen Tammy Abraham play for Swansea at Spurs at Wembley a few seasons ago uh, as an impressive up-and-coming young striker, it was amazing for me to hear his name being uh, shouted by that AS Roma announcer in the Olympico sort of 10 times after he scored. Uh, just his first name, Tammy, and then the rest of the crowd would, would shout, Abraham! <laughs> How long till uh, Chelsea spend 100 million on him then? It yeah. sets off massive alarm bells for strikers in Italy for me. Like, look at what Lukaku was world class there. And look at the state of him here. Ronaldo has come back and is great, but he's not, he's not as good as Italy made him look. And look at Tammy Abraham. I wouldn't be buying a striker from Italy if I was a Premier League club. And then another big news story uh, in Europe this weekend will be right up your street there, Nick Gilmer, with your jingoism and your love for Ronaldo. It all coalesces with the booing of Neymar and Messi at uh, PSG. The only club in the whole world that's a bigger basket case than United. I love it. Yeah, I was actually going to say that. (laughs) Thank you for saying that for me. (laughs) They are. uh, Watch the uh, highlights of their 3-0 defeat at Monaco, which is their uh, fourth defeat in four in six games including that uh, that woeful collapse at Real Madrid but they've also lost to Nice and Nantes uh, recently and now 3-0 at Monaco and they are a study in abject body language and as, as you rightly just said I think the only worse body language in European football than what I've seen from United in big games earlier this season so quite fascinating for that and it's fascinating as you said, you use the word repercussions. It's a domino effect, isn't it? If Pochettino has to leave 
if the players are fed up with it, if they're bored of the project, as they call it, you know, the rest of Europe, European football will be affected positively or otherwise. I really hope that it's a warning to all these brilliant yeah. young footballers that chasing the money to a fashion project in Paris is not the best thing. Yeah, because the culture they've created is just all wrong, isn't it? And that you have to, maybe not you yourself, but uh, one has to perhaps concede that that's something that Man City have broadly got right. They've installed the right culture there of professionalism. They waited to get Pep. They got the director of football in before that. They played the long game, whereas PSG just have all the wrong culture. There's a, it's smelly there to borrow your parlance oh it absolutely stinks and i am um, i would love to know a penny for messi's thoughts yeah um, well he got booed last weekend mm. um and he's being criticized now by quite a few um pundits i saw andy brassel on another uh, football pod say he went home to argentina in the winter break when he hadn't had a pre-season and he could have used that time to catch up on his pre-season if he was really invested in this project and with how much he's being paid you should expect that he would be so yeah even messi is not escaping criticism it feels sacrilegious and of course this is this is an area in which uh, cristiano ronaldo really is beyond reproach his professionalism isn't it yeah but i noticed that the the murmurings around how messi could get himself back to barca have started don't see that happening no no uh, probably more likely to uh, sod off to argentina to <laughs> for the last couple of seasons of his career Okay, we've got an international break coming up, so we'll break for one week. Uh, It's obviously very dull if you're an England fan, uh, two friendlies against Switzerland and Ivory Coast, but I love international football, unlike you, Gilmer, so I'm here to remind everybody that the international break is much more than that, and we've got absolutely crucial qualifiers coming up. There are three pathways to a World Cup qualification spot in the European qualifiers. Only one of them remains unaffected by what's going on in the Ukraine. It's really, really sad. But um, essentially, path A has Wales playing Austria. Massive, massive game for Wales, of course. And these are just one-legged semi-finals. So it's one game in Cardiff. Um, But the game between Scotland and Ukraine has been pushed back to June for reasons that I don't need to explain. Whether it will ever happen is another question. Path B will be resolved because Poland have been granted a walkover against Russia, so they're already in the final. That takes place next week. But this midweek, Sweden and Czech Republic play off for the right to face Poland. And then path C is perhaps the most interesting for the average uh, neutral observer because Italy play North Macedonia and Portugal play Turkey. And uh, there's a possible playoff final next week, 29th of March, between Italy and Portugal in Porto. That is interesting. I will definitely be watching that one. It's mad that such a heavily seeded system that is geared up around making sure all the big nations qualify has somehow ended up with that match before the tournament even starts. That is incredible, yeah. And uh, everybody will be rubbernecking that, yeah. And then in uh, South America, you've also got two more important match days. Brazil and Argentina are obviously both already qualified, so they're match against each other, which was rescheduled. You remember that palaver in um, Sao Paulo earlier because of COVID? That match has not been rescheduled. But every country has two more match days to play. And the countries vying for the spots to go through are Uruguay, Peru, and, of course, Ben Brereton's Chile. So uh, Bentancur, I'd like to give a mention to our, our new signing in midfield. He was absolutely excellent yesterday. He had Declan Rice in his pocket, didn't he, Will? And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
he's off to play. Is in no one's pocket. (laughs) And he's off to play for uh, Uruguay. So wish him luck. But also on on the not so positive side, Christian Romero is going all the way out there to join up with Argentina, who have already qualified for the World Cup, and he's suspended for one of the games. You'd think he could just be wrapped up in cotton wool, given how good he's been recently. I know he's got to go. I mean, I'm, I'm delighted that Rafinha's got COVID and won't be going to Brazil. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very good break. There. Well, well drawn on in crayon. Well done, Rafinha. <laughs> Special shout out for Argentina for trolling the whole of European football by naming a 44 or 45 man squad. Oh yeah, slipping over to Argentina for the break. <laughs> I mean, they're, that, they're counting that as World Cup qualification, uh, World Cup preparation. Sorry, because they're already qualified, aren't they? So they're literally um, experimenting with the team with the finals in mind. Well, there's a 17 um, year old United kid called Alejandro Ganache who's been called up by Argentina and is yet to play a minute for United. Wow, has he played a minute for Argentina? Not yet. No, I think this is his first call up. Imagine if Southgate did this. Yeah. <laughs> a difficult one to explain. <laughs> okay, and then uh, I'll leave it for this week just on uh, what's happening after the break. First weekend in April, the uh, Saturday lunchtime kickoff is Liverpool-Watford. Can't imagine that going anything but Liverpool's way. The Saturday tea time is Manchester United at home to Leicester, Nick. Yeah. Oh, God. Do we have to? <laughs> Do we have to? Sunday, Super Sunday, it's West Ham at home to Frank Lampard, Will. Fantastic. Can't wait. That's going to be beautiful. Uh, sorry, I missed Leeds at uh, home. Of course to you did. Missed Leeds at home <laughs> to Southampton on the Saturday, George. Another must win, not in front of the cameras. Yeah, absolutely. And on uh, Sunday, primetime, who else? It's Spurs against uh, Saudi Arabia's Newcastle. And then a tasty little Monday night offering at Sellers Park. Vieira at home to Arsenal. And I remember that Vieira was very, very unlucky not to get anything at the Emirates earlier in the season. So I'm obviously right behind them for that one. And uh, that's when we'll be next recording. So uh, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Will, for being with us once again. Uh, great yeah, to be here. Yeah. rocked up just as West Ham have gotten uh, exciting at the end of the uh, at the business yeah. end of the season. Oh yeah, f- f- funny how Alex invited me just after Spurs had, uh, <laughs> yeah. had, had, had done us at the lane. Thank you, uh, and uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm hoping that there's another fantastic cause to have you on later in the season as you go deeper into Europe and towards that famous night in Seville. It could be Nick. Thank you very much, and uh, just have a nice break. Give your head a rest from United. I was going to say, in my defence, I'm absolutely, absolutely loving the international breaks uh, since United got terrible. <laughs> and George, well, what do we say? Um, congratulations on these six points and keep yeah. calm. Carry on. Yeah, two weeks of calm. I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers.